How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live once again in the studio. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland. Today is Tuesday, February 19th, 2018. And we got a pretty good show for y'all today, guys. Honestly, I woke up this morning. I was like, dude, I got to do the show now. But as it turns out, it's a good thing I waited around because we finally had it happen. Manny Machado signing. I was actually planning on opening up this podcast talking about college basketball for the first time on any of my podcasts this year. But We'll wait that off here a little bit, and I actually need got to talk about Machado here, guys. I mean, what a play, man. The fact that Machado went ahead and signed this deal, I mean, they needed Machado desperately in San Diego. MLB and player market needed to see Machado go ahead and fall as a big-time piece in the market. I mean, I'm just glad that he went ahead and signed. I felt like that we had this holdout. You know, we're like, oh, we need Harper and Machado to fi- sign. Finally, one of the players signed, and you know, it's kind of crazy. Right after he signed, I instantly start reading, oh, the White Sox aren't offering is wouldn't offer Machado this much. Then the story comes out that Bryce Harper doesn't exactly like Philadelphia. That San Diego's still going after Bryce Harper. So I mean, I'm not going to sit here though and speculate right now about where these guys are going. It's still all up in the air. I mean, my shit, my guess is as good as yours on where that Harper or Mach- where Harper or any of these guys is going to sign. We still need to see the pieces keep on falling. See who's willing to spend the money. I mean, we saw Philadelphia go out and spend that, get G, JT Real Muto. We saw him go out and get Gene Segura. So, I mean, we've seen people go out and make moves. Now it's just time for these pieces to keep falling in place. It's actually kind of funny. I had a tweet typed up in my thing about how that, like, dude, I've none of these guys signed yet. I was like, how, like, this is absolutely ridiculous. And then what do you know? Like, literally, I refresh my Twitter feed right before I post it. And I'm proofreading my tweet and I literally see on there Manny Machado, 10 years, 300 million. I was like, well, about to delete that tweet before you send it out. But I think it's a big time signing by San Diego. First off, it fills a hole for them in the left side of their infield. He's probably going to play third base. Their best prospect is supposed to be coming up. I cannot remember what his name is. I'm not great with MLB prospects just because, you know, you don't watch them come up in college. A lot of them come from overseas. I mean, a lot of them spend a lot of time down the minors. You forget about them. I mean, college baseball obviously doesn't really get the press that these other sports get, but. I mean, I've heard that their best prospect, he plays shortstop, so I mean, we'll definitely see him at third base, that's where they need him, they got Eric Hosmer over at first base, they got Will Myers in the outfield, I mean, San Diego's payroll was only like $105 million. now it's $135 million since they signed, signed uh, Machado to this deal, so... I think it's a good move by San Diego. They got lots of young prospects. I mean, they have one of the top farm systems, just kind of like the Braves did. They finally went out, spent the big bucks. I think they really, really did it right here. I think it's a good move by San Diego. I mean... Obviously, I said like with Robinson Cano and Giancarlo Stanton, we haven't seen these humongous deals really work out for players, but I personally like it with San Diego. This is a team that's close to winning. I mean, this makes them now the NL West even harder. We basically saw the Diamondbacks offload and let most of their team go. So, I mean, the Diamondbacks aren't really a threat anymore down there. But, I mean, you still got the Rockies, man. The Rockies build a nice roster around their team this year. I mean, they've gone out, spent the money, done what they had to do, as have the Dodgers. So, I mean, it's going to be a three-team race between them. Can't count out San Francisco as they are one of the favors to pick up Harper right now, so I mean, that would make it weird to even see San Francisco goes even harder at Harper to stay competitive. We did get the news as well that Bruce Bochy is retiring after the season's over, so that's a little food for thought there. I mean, 10 years, $300 million, that's a huge contract. Nolan Arenado's got to be licking his chops right now because he's third baseman due up next, and you know, he's going to be one that exact same money from Colorado as he's putting up the big numbers, and I think Arenado deserves it. Not only is he one of the best batting third basemen, but he's unreal in the field. He can flash that leather. leather. I know if you watch web gyms, you see him on there almost every single night making plays, throwing people. I mean, he's just a beast, man, so... 
I think that this is good for him. This is good for the market. Um, this is actually the biggest free agent contract given out to a free agent in American sports history. Crazy to think about that that is the biggest one given out to a free agent in American sports history. We've seen lots of guys get paid, but Robinson Cano his quite wasn't quite as big. Um, we saw who else was? I mean, we saw John Carlo get that big one, but he was not a free agent, so it's a little different there. But I mean, this is the biggest free agent contract given out. So I mean, that's a crazy thing to think about there too. Next, but. That's all I got right there for MLB. That kind of, I think, really helps the market. I think we'll see Harper fall here in the next two weeks or so. I really think that he'll... (coughs) Sorry, guys. I really think that he'll go out there and make his move up next after that. But love seeing it happen. Next, we got Antonio Brown. Um, He met with the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, which... I th- or actually this morning, and him and Rooney kind of settled everything together. They basically said it's time for both parties to move on, which I think is the right move for both these teams. You know, he had his moments, man, while he was in Pittsburgh. They had some good times together. He obviously killed the game while he was there, one of the best wide receivers in the league. But I just really felt like they needed to move on. I was not really a fan of how A.B. was all over Twitter and everything talking. I'm not a fan of that at all. I felt like that he could should have got his agent to talk for him or somebody else. I don't think it was really his place. And then he should have said everything he did about Pittsburgh. But I thought he did a good job. He, I mean, he needs to move forward from this. Antonio Brown the Steelers are both lived to see a better day. The Steelers have their new number one wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. Also think James Washington will be a good receiver. I just don't think he's ready yet. We saw him have some big drops last season, which really hurt Pittsburgh as a team. But I think it's time for both both teams to move on. A.B. made it clear. He's got three years left on his deal. None of that money's guaranteed. He said that wherever he gets traded, they need to guarantee him some money. I mean, he saw what happened to Des Bryant. He's seen what's happened to these other guys. It's clear this is all about Antonio Brown wanting his guaranteed money, not necessarily him being unhappy in Pittsburgh. I mean, he could have handled it a better way than he did, but... At the end of the day, A.B. is going to get another chance. He's going to get another shot. Some team is going to go out, take the risk on him. They're going to want him. I mean, shoot, New England has draft picks. I don't know if Pittsburgh would trade with New England, but we saw they wanted to go out and get Odell Beckham, which would have been a great pickup for him. So I really think that they should look to make a move like this. You know, like I think that Brady, you know, he can't really take time to develop with another wide receiver. I saw today all the wide receivers that have been drafted by New England. I mean, none of them have really ever panned out. Brady doesn't have time to develop that chemistry with a wide receiver. So I personally think that they should go out, spend the money here, and get one. So we'll see what happens. Um, other thing, other takeaways from this move is the Steelers, they clearly need another wide receiver. I think Golden Tate would fit in really well. I think the way that he plays the wide receiver position fits well with Big Ben. You know, AB's one of those fast guys. He's good at making separation, kind of like Tate is. Um, Russell Wilson and Golden Tate played really well together. What is Russell Wilson good at? He's good at running around in the backfield and creating time for his receivers to get open. Big Ben, look, he doesn't do it in the same way as Russell Wilson does, but Big Ben is probably top three quarterbacks I've seen in general at buying time and standing back there in the pocket. I mean, him, Rod and Wilson, probably the three best in the league at doing it, at creating time in the pocket. So I think he would be a great fit for the Steelers. I think they should go out and get him. Golden Tate's a veteran, so they could probably get him for cheaper as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there for these teams. Um, like I said, I mean, like I said, man, I mean, Antonio Brown, time for him to move on. But it's about all I got for you all there on that subject. Let's move here now to college basketball. You know, I've actually been watching a lot more college basketball. It could be due to the fact that my NBA is taking time off, and I very much miss you, NBA. Hurry up and come back soon. I'm going to talk second-half storylines here in a little bit, and I got some rivalry stuff for you all at the end all around Duke and North Carolina. I think you all will be interested to hear that. I got some lists of my favorite rivalries player-wise and team-wise in sports. So I got some good content there for you all, but 
Let's get down to it here. So first thing I want to say about college basketball is I think the thing that hurt it, because I watched a lot more college basketball last year as the, uh, or otherwise to this year, I think what really hurt college basketball last year is just the t- overall fact that our best players all play on the same team. You know, like we want to watch the big name stars. What do you look for when you go watch a college basketball game? I want to see the big stars. I want to see the big names. I want to see what they can do. I want to see how they perform. Well, unfortunately, guys, they all play on the same team. We got Cam Reddish, Zion, or um, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett. For some reason, I almost said Zion Barrett. I don't know why. I guess I'm just trying to combine both names. Usually, that's what I call them. But they both play on the same team, the Duke Blue Devils. I'll get to you in a minute. Is a legit team. That team is. I think they're one of the best teams I've seen in a while. And I'll tell you all why here in a minute. But that team has the three best players in the nation. They'll probably go to all three, go in the top four in the draft. Ja Morant plays on Murray State. I mean, as good as Ja Morant is, am I really going to sit down and watch a Murray State game? I mean, no. Why would you sit down and watch a Murray State game? We'll probably see Ja in the tournament as Murray State's only lost four games this season. They're one of the best teams in their conference this year. So I really think we'll see Murray State, and we'll get a good chance to see what Ja's got. You know, that's what you want to see, like – that was what I hated about Ben Simmons, man, was we never got to see Ben Simmons in March. Like, college basketball, yeah, it's fun and while watching these players, but nobody really pays that much attention to college basketball till March Madness. I mean, <clears throat> I try to pay a good bit of attention, but by the time we get to March Madness, that's when everyone's really locked in. That's when everybody wants to see what everybody's got. That's when you want to see the best players on, sh- on put on a show for you. And, I mean, it just sucks when you can't get the best players there. That's what I was upset with Ben Simmons and LSU, man. They couldn't make the cut. We never really got to see Ben Simmons in that environment to see what he could do like that. I mean, he, s- he skipped out in the Olympics. That's what you want to see is these young guys develop like that. But we're going to get to see it, fortunately, this year. Hopefully, Jaw gets in. Hopefully, they keep winning games, too. So, if they lose in that conference tournament, because that's really what it comes down to for those mid-major teams. If you win that conference tournament, you're in. But I feel like a four-loss Murray State will get in there. But that's what's really hurting college basketball this year, guys. I mean, Bull Bull, probably the next biggest name prospect and the next biggest one you'd want to watch. I mean, he's out for the season in Oregon. He plays on the West Coast, too, so he's going to be playing at late times. I mean, that really hurt. That one really hurts college basketball. Sharif O'Neal, he's sitting out the whole year with a heart condition, you know, like – all our big prospects really haven't been what they have. The the players in college basketball out of the top ones this year, quite frankly, has just not been as good as it was last year. I mean, there's a lot of more upperclassmen that are getting looks rather than the freshmen, unlike last year. So I think college basketball has been hurt from that perspective this year. But at the same time, my final four right now, you put a gun to my head, these are the four best teams in the nation in my opinion here. First <clears throat> team I have on here is the Duke Blue Devils. I think this is the best basketball team We've seen in ages, they have two potential top 10 to top 5 players in the league. Like I've said many, many times, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett. I mean, man, they're on a whole other level. And the fact you can throw Cam Reddish in there too and Trey Jones. This Duke Blue Devils team is stacked top to bottom. They're not a very deep team. We have seen when Zion gets into foul trouble, this team can be hurt by that. Zion getting in foul trouble has hurt Duke many, many, many times this year. But they've managed to weather the storm. Like for Louisville, example, come down. This Duke team has proven what they can do with their back to the wall. They win two big games against Virginia. They even come out. They're losing by over tw- by 23 points on the road, and they still come out and win the game against a Louisville team who was kind of in a bounce-back spot after a letdown against Florida State. So this Duke team has proven that they're legit, guys, and they don't need the 
the uh, old guys, the veterans. Like I've always said in college basketball, it's all about the teams with the upperclassmen that win championships. I think that's usually true, but I'm all in on Duke this year, guys. I truly, truly think this is the best team in college basketball, and they're going to prove it come March. Now, this had me a little bit hot today, guys. So I was looking through the top 25 Looking at how far Tennessee moved down. Can you believe that they moved Tennessee to number five in the nation? First off, they have Tennessee has lost two games all season long, yet they have Gonzaga ranked over them. They have the same record, yet they beat them head-to-head. -head. I mean, how does head-to-head -head matter for nothing in college basketball? I mean, I feel like head-to-head's got to matter for something. It's just like in college football with the rankings. you got to let head-to-head -head mean something in it. And I think Tennessee, it's ridiculous, man, that they're not letting head-to-head -head mean anything. Tennessee's first loss... It was a long time ago this season. They were on a 19-game win streak. I mean, of course they're going to lose a game. In fact, they even put Kentucky ahead of them. It was four losses. That's ridiculous. Look, I know I said you got to mean something out of head-to-head, -head, but, I mean, two losses in head-to-head -head is a lot, lot different, especially when they've beaten one of them head-to-head. -head. That is ridiculous that Tennessee is ranked this low. Tennessee, Gonzaga does have a very high ranked schedule, but Tennessee has proven it night in and night out, winning 19 games in a row. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. Tennessee, in my opinion, they have the veterans. They have everything they need. They will make a deep run in March Madness. Tennessee's typically a good tournament team. They got bounced kind of early last year. I look for them to bounce back from that this year in the tournament. I think Tennessee and Duke are the teams I trust most. In my bracket pool, you get to pick two brackets. I know I'm probably at the end of the day going to end up, you know, picking one of those where that I pick Florida State to win just because I'm a Florida State fan and I don't want to have it be our year where we win it all and I didn't pick them. Like, dude, I'd be so mad if I did that. But Quite frankly, Tennessee and Duke, in my opinion, are the two best teams in the nation. I think one of those two teams is winning it all. I don't see any way that one of these teams doesn't win it all. So I think Tennessee should be a lot higher, highly ranked than that. I don't know if they will get a chance to move up. They're definitely going to be a number one seed. Kind of weird. I have three projected number one seeds in here. I also have Gonzaga. I really like Ryu Hachimaria. I like this Gonzaga team. I mean, they are clearly... They've played what they have to do. They beat Duke. They did lose that back-to-back -to, -back to North Carolina and, and to um, Tennessee, but those are two really good teams. North Carolina is the other team I have here in my Final Four, but Gonzaga played the fifth-hardest schedule in the nation. I mean, they've, they've done everything they have to and more, guys. I mean, this Gonzaga team is a great team. I really, really, really think they can make a deep tournament run. Do not sleep in Gonzaga this year. I mean, they've got NBA talent. They've got a, got a good coach in Mark Few. I mean, this Gonzaga team's got everything. I think they're one of the best teams in the nation, and I'm I mean, I know in the past they had those teams where they got bounced early in the tournament where we all were like, they're not that good. This is a different Gonzaga team, guys. This is a good, good, good Gonzaga team. I mean, we saw what they did against North Carolina take him down the last shot. And my last team I have on here is North Carolina. North Carolina is currently ranked 8th in the nation. That's a game against against Virginia. I picked North Carolina to win the game, and they definitely would have won that game if it had not been for an injury to Nasir Little and to Cameron Johnson. I mean, they're pretty much their two best players. Cameron Johnson did come back, but he was never the same. He was the one hitting the big shots for them. I mean, he's a key transfer for them from Pittsburgh. Cameron Johnson knocks down all the big shots. He leads the team in points per game. I really like Kobe White, too. Off, or I mean, I think he's going to be a good score off the bench in the NBA, but he can really fill it up. I mean, North Carolina, they won 95-57 to 57 against Wake Forest last week. They practically doubled their score, guys. This North Carolina team is legit. They've done it all in ACC play. They've played really well. I mean, North Carolina has proved to me 99 out. They can't be that good. I mean, they lost to Kentucky. Kentucky's a good team. They lost to Michigan. I feel like they didn't really show up in that one. Michigan was a different team at the beginning of the year. See, what people don't realize, Michigan's a good defensive team, not offensive team. Michigan ranks outside of the top 100 in points per game. People don't realize that. I'm not actually that high on Michigan, believe it or not. <clears throat> I think the Wolverines are a good team. I just feel like they played their better basketball at the beginning of the year. They're struggling now, but... 
they can still turn things around. I don't know if it'll be too late. I'm also really high on Houston, but I mean, getting back to North Carolina, they're 10-2. and two. They play Duke tomorrow. I mean, that's why I'm about to talk about rivalries later on this podcast. North Carolina Duke got rivalries on my mind, baby, but I'm high. I'm high. I'm really high up on this North Carolina team. I mean, their only loss right now are in the AC or to Virginia and Louisville. Louisville's fourth in the ACC. I mean, they've taken some losses. Florida State's tied with them as well. I mean, we're just one loss behind, which we'll be tied with after we whoop up on Clemson tonight, baby, but... It's going to be a fun ACC race. It's going to be fun to watch play out. I think that North between North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia, I think two out of those three teams will find their way to the Final Four. I don't see any way the ACC doesn't find a team in the Final Four, as in my opinion, they have three out of the top, I'd say they have three out of the top five, six best teams in the nation. So ACC stacked up this year. like They're like the SEC of football except for basketball. So do not sleep on the ACC at all. That's about all I got for you all for now. College basketball later on. In the week, I want to talk a little bit more about prospects in college basketball and a lot of that other good college basketball stuff. All right, guys, so it's about that time where we get down to it. NBA, we got the last stretch of the season coming up here after All-Star break kick it, t- kicking off on Thursday. We got Lakers-Rockets, and then we got my favorite rivalry in the NBA with a little uh, Rockets-Warriors on NBA Saturday night. So, I mean, we got there's a great NBA card coming up all week long, guys. I cannot wait. I mean, I just want these days to hurry up and end so I can get back to watching me some NBA basketball, but... Let's get down to it. Second half storing lines to watch out for. First one we got to watch out for is who will win the NBA MVP? So, obviously, I'm not making a prediction here. I'm just saying what I think needs to happen. So, if James Harden wants to win the NBA MVP here, he needs to get his his Rockets into the fourth overall seed in the Western Conference. I think you absolutely have to be in the top four seed in order to win MVP no matter what. That was my biggest thing against Westbrook was he was not top four seed in the Western Conference when he got it. He was the sixth seed and, quite frankly, he did not deserve to win the MVP. Harden needs to keep his production up and stay at the top four in the West. I think he can do both those things, but I still don't think he's a for-sure lock for it. I mean, Giannis, if he wants to win the win the MVP award, him and the Bucks, they need to be the first seed in the East, I think. And I also think that Giannis needs to keep his production up, which shouldn't be too hard for him. Giannis is a beast, man. I mean, even if he could put, get his production up even more than it is now, sky's the limit there. The last one is, I think personally, Paul George has the best shot out of all these guys to win it. If he can get that number one seed here with the Thunder, that would be the easiest way for him to, like, I think if Paul George gets the number one seed over the Warriors in the Western Conference, that he distinguishes himself above them for all of them because he's ahead of them in all the player metrics. I mean, he puts up the numbers. Paul George does it all, guys. He's got the numbers. He's got the metrics. He's got everything on his side. He's winning ball games. I really think Paul George can rack it up and get this. I mean, if Giannis gets the be- gets the best record in the NBA, too, I could easily see him getting over Harden. Harden, by no means, has the MVP award won. If I were y'all betting on it, I would not bet on James Harden. I would put my money on Giannis or Paul George. I just feel like winning means, in my opinion, it means a lot towards the MVP award. Look, I think Harden will win enough, but at the same time, I think these guys are going to turn around and win more than enough games to put themselves into the conversation, and that could end up being the reason why Harden doesn't get this MVP award. But at the same time, the Rockets will get better because Capella's coming back. I think there's a lot, still think the NBA um, MVP is a lot more open than people think it is, and they should be ready for things to happen and movement to happen down the stretch in this. My next um, next storyline that I'm watching out for is who will win the Eastern Conference. As y'all know, my prediction here is the Bucks. It's pretty neck and neck here in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, another, I'll tell y'all another good storyline I've got here in a second for it. But as of right now, the way things shape out, we got the number one seed is the Bucks at 43 and 14. The Raptors are 43 and 16, so they set a whole game back just because they played two more. Um, Pacers are 38 and 20. Celtics are 37 and 21. And the 76ers are 37 and 21. 
I'm interested to see how these top four seeds end up panning out. These teams are going to want first-round buys. They're going to need all that. The Pacers have played well since losing Depot. I personally think they're going to drop back to the five seed. The 76ers and the Celtics both need to move up the latter here in this. I mean, both these teams really play well at home, so they need as much home basketball as they can possibly get. All these teams actually play really well. Weirdly enough, out of the um, top out of the out of the top six in the East, even the shoot all, basically the top every single team that's in the playoffs in the East, all of them are really 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 good at home and not as great on the road. So I think that these teams they got to battle it out right now, see if they can move up more. I also think it'll be absolutely crucial for Philadelphia to avoid Boston as long as possible in the playoffs. Boston currently owns Philadelphia. The race is not even really close between these teams. Philadelphia cannot do anything against them. It was especially embarrassing after they lost to them at home after making all those trades without Kyrie Irving. That, to me, was the most embarrassing loss that I have seen in ages in, a, in an NBA game. I mean, that was stu- I know it's the regular season, but that was just absolutely embarrassing. Like, there's just no way that you can lose a game like that. I know we see, like, this, like the Celtics blow that 25-point lead against the Clippers. I mean, that was, like, two games before that. So, I mean, the fact you even let them bounce back from that without Kyrie Irving... After you make all these trades, stack your team up, get a huge win against the Lakers. I mean, what are you doing in Philadelphia? That was that was so embarrassing to me. So I think that's another huge thing right there is the 76ers. They need separation from the Celtics, quite frankly. I think they need to play Toronto and have the have the, try to have the Celtics play Milwaukee. You know, I really think the Sixers need to get to that third seed, or else they're just going to get bounced in the second round. Because I personally don't think they can go into Milwaukee and beat them. The Sixers play way too well at home, and they're not going to have the home court there. So they got to play a lot better on the road and figure things out. Boston's got to do the exact same thing too. They need to play a lot better on the road. But I mean, Toronto—they haven't proved anything to me in the playoffs. Y'all know I'm skeptical of Toronto. So I think that seeding is going to be huge in the Eastern Conference. I think Milwaukee will hang on to that first seed, and they absolutely need to if they expect to go deep in the play playoffs this season. My next storyline that I'm looking forward to see how it plays out is how will the top four seeds in the Western Conference pan out? I mean, that's going to be huge, too, to see who gets home home court here. I mean, I think the Nuggets and, and the Warriors have done a good job making separation between them. I mean, they've got the Warriors got four games on the, on the Thunder at the three spot. Nuggets got two on them. They're 39 and 18. Uh, 37 and 20 for the Thunder, 41 and 16 for Golden State. I personally don't think Portland will be right there. I mean, Damian Lillard did heat up extensively in the second. I mean, he he was on fire the second half of last year. Averaged over 35 a game in the second half. Led all scores in the second half of the season. Got him to that fourth seed. I don't think he can do it again. The Rockets are gaining on by one game. They're only going to get better as Clint Capella is going to come back. You also got the Jazz sitting one game behind the Rockets, two games behind the Blazers. I personally think the Rockets or Jazz will be sitting here in that fourth spot. I think both those teams will move up. I think the Nuggets are here to stay. They got Isaiah Thomas back. They're only getting better. Oklahoma City, Paul George is playing at MVP caliber. Russell Westbrook seemed to figure out how to work with everybody else. I think that the Rockets or the Jazz will move up into this fourth spot. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see how those pan out. I think the top, I think in the top four, we'll have Golden State, Denver, and Oklahoma City for sure. So, I mean, there's still one spot up for grabs, and you're going to need that home court advantage in these NBA playoffs. I mean, you're not going to, you don't, you don't want to go on the road to Houston. You don't want to go on the road to Portland. I mean, the Blazers are unbelievable at home. They're 24 and eight at home. The Rockets, after they started off awful at home, they lost like their first four games at home. But since then, they're 20 and five at home this season. I mean, you don't want to go into Houston and play. You don't want to go into Oklahoma City where they're 20 and seven. I mean, Westbrook was banged up at the beginning of the year when they lost some of those. I mean, the Nuggets are actually, 
they're 25 and four at home. The Warriors are 22 and seven at home. And I mean, you know, they have that stretch where they didn't have guys, and they have Demarcus Cousins back. They haven't lost yet with Demarcus Cousins back. So the West is only getting better and better and better each week. All these teams are so damn good at home. I mean, even the Spurs, they're 22 and seven at home this season. The Spurs are no team to be taken lightly at home. So. You got to keep getting better. You can't. You can't afford to fall behind. I do not think the Clippers will make the playoffs. I mean, the Lakers. They got to make up some ground, man. They're certainly sitting four games out of the playoffs right now, so they got some work left to do. I think the Kings will get that spot as of right now. That's actually my next storyline here, guys. Is will the Lakers make the playoffs and will Luke Walton be the head coach next season? I think both those run together. The Lakers make the playoffs. They get swept by Golden State. I think they can get Luke Walton out of there. If the Lakers make the playoffs and they get a higher get above that eight seed, I think that he's safe. I mean, the Lakers make the playoffs and they win a game or two against Golden State. I think that he's safe. I personally think LeBron can win one of those games. I mean, y'all forget LeBron didn't play. They didn't have Lonzo Ball. They were winning at the at the start of the fourth quarter in that game against the Golden State the other day. Golden State obviously buried them in the fourth quarter, but it was a ball game. Now Golden State might have a different sense of urgency, but at the same time, I mean, they might drop one and just say it's whatever, man. Like, it's one game, you know? Like, they, they, they don't really... It's it's one game. I and, mean, you know, like, if they get up three games to one, they get outshot. They just might pack it in one game, let them get one win. But I really think that Luke Walton and LeBron's camp have had a lot of disagreements with each other. Clearly, LeBron's camp planted that there because they want Luke Walton out of there. I think they want Luke Walton out of there. So, Luke Walton's basically coaching for his job. This team misses the playoffs. He's 150% gone. The Lakers look dysfunctional right now. And quite frankly... I think the roster sucks, so there's a high chance here, guys, that we don't see the Lakers in the playoffs this year. I'm not going to count them out just yet, but I think how they come back from the break will be huge because they can't afford to fall six, seven games back. I mean, to think that a team's going to lose seven games and that you're pretty much going to win out with the rest of the season, that's pretty hard to do for any team. So, I mean, the Lakers, they got to get hot right now. I don't I don't really like talking about the Lakers a lot just because you can go turn on any other channel and listen to them, but that's my take on the Lakers right now is they, they got to come out the gates hot and firing. They better have used this all-star break to fix all the problems they have in that locker room to fix all this dysfunctional. I mean, I, I doubt they will fix all the dysfunctionality, but Lakers got to act quick here, guys. They can't mess around. Um, another big storyline that I'm looking for is to see what rookie or player will have a big second half. I think my rookie player that will have a big second half and kind of break out here, you know, there's always the young guys who break out after the All-Star break. I think it will be Marvin Bagley. We saw him at the 32-point game and a 25-point game, his two career highs in the last, or so far in February, so I think Bagley's going to keep building off that. The Kings have been playing really good basketball. They've been moving it well. They've been winning games. I mean, the Kings are kind of hot right now, guys, and they play really, really well at home. I think Bagley keeps building off that, and we see him finish off the season strong. Obviously, I think Luka, I mean, I don't even think Luka would have to play in another game the rest of the season. He would still win Rookie of the Year over everybody at this point, but I think Bagley can still move up the rankings here a little bit, and he can put in a lot of good minutes and make his stock rise next season, although it's already extremely high. But, I mean, he can go ahead and remind us that he's coming, and the Kings are coming when him and Fox are ready to take over. My second-year player, I think, is going to take off is Laurie Markanian. He's been playing very well since returning from his injury. He missed over 30 games this year for an injury, and he's finally back on the floor. I think that he gets a lot more rhythm the second half of the season and really starts to explode and turns it on as a player the second half of the year. I look for his points to go up a little bit more and Markanian to keep playing better and better. I think that it's time. I think he's coming. I think this Bulls team, they're kind of they're ready to start being a playoff team after this year when they're going to have a really high draft pick. So I look for Markanian to kind of step up as the leader and the alpha dog of that team. I think it's his time to take over and run things in Chicago. My last storyline I got here before I get to rivalries is will the Celtics figure it out? 
You know, the Celtics guys, they've been disappointing this year. They've got a lot of dysfunctionalness in that locker room. They had two huge team wins right before the all, right before the All-Star break. They got some big wins. They came together as a team. Those were without Kyrie Irving playing with the knee injury. He clearly looked to be fine as he played in the All-Star game. So, I personally think Kyrie Irving and the Celtics, they will figure it out. They always seem to figure things out. I think they'll get things rolling into the playoffs. And if they don't figure things out, that 100% means Kyrie's gone. So the Celtics got a lot of thinking to do here. I mean, they're going to be thinking about who they want on the roster next year. I could look for them to also move Gordon Hayward in the offseason. Could look for them to move on from Al Horford. So there's many question marks for the Celtics right now. Everybody's playing for their job. They need to make these young guys and these old guys mesh together. They need to come together as a team. I think Brad Stevens and the Celtics team is capable of doing it as they know how good they can be and they can still win this Eastern Conference. So I look for the Celtics to come out and do this in the second half of the season. I think that they will come together as a team. I mean, I don't think they're going to win it as a regular season, guys, but I think that in the playoffs they can do some damage. So the Celtics need to come together and get prepped and ready to go for these playoffs. All right. Well, before I let you guys go, as promised, I have my rivalries here. Um, got my top five for my favorite rivalries in sports. And my pers- that's my personal opinion. I have the best, I think, for like – all sports fans, then I have my favorite player rivalries, which is kind of funny too. So, first off, I think the best rivalries in sports, undisputed, all fans, no matter what. Number one, I have the Boston Red Sox. Actually, yeah, whatever. I already started off this way, so I got to do it this way. Number one, I have Red Sox, Yankees. I mean, it's Red Sox, Yankees, guys. Everyone knows. I mean, they play each other in the playoffs. I think that makes it even better that they that they meet all the time in the playoffs. So, Red Sox, Yankees at number one. I mean, there's so much hate in that rivalry. Number two, I have Duke, UNC, play against each other tomorrow. Clearly the best rivalry in college basketball. I mean, both these teams, they're battling out for the state of North Carolina. Two great programs. They battle it out for the top recruits every single year. They battle it out in the ACC. I mean, you got to love it, man. Great matchup. Number three, we got Lakers-Celtics. Kind of self-explanatory. I think that's probably the biggest big-name rivalry in basketball. I mean, it's Lakers-Celtics, guys. I mean, everybody knows the history of that, how often they used to play each other in the finals. Let's hope it kind of gets back to – actually, I hope it doesn't get back to that, but at the same time, for the sake of basketball, I know a lot of people hope that it does get back to that. I also apologize for that siren going off in the background. That is – means that there's about to be a lot of storms in here. It's bad weather in Georgia. It's more like Seattle out there. My backyard looks like a swamp right now. At number four, I have the Packers-Bears. This rivalry has gotten good again. That's one of the more historic rivalries in the NFL, as the Bears always have the great defense. And the Packers, you know, they battle it out every single year in the NFC North Division. So Bears-Packers, another great rivalry. Number five, look. I went Auburn versus Alabama. I just feel like there's been so many crazy endings. A lot of times that game means who's going to go to the SEC championship, which means who's going to go to the national championship. Uh, I am leaving out here Ohio State-Michigan. I prefer Auburn versus Alabama over Ohio State-Michigan. I feel like it's more relevant at this point in time, although Ohio State-Michigan was a very relevant rivalry this year. I just feel like that the best one, I just feel like that Auburn-Alabama is a better rivalry than Ohio State-Michigan the way we stand at this point. All right, my favorite rivalries in sports. Start with number five here. Number five of the Braves, Phillies. Both these teams finally have good rosters. Again, they're about to keep on battling it out. But throughout my childhood, these were the top dogs in the NL East division. And it's just been fun watching them battle it out. Whenever I think of baseball, my most hated team is always the Phillies, not Red Sox or Yankees. I mean, the Phillies, to me, are our biggest rival. Number four, I have Thunder Warriors. That's a huge rivalry to me that I love watching just because Russell Westbrook, the chip he plays with on his shoulder. We obviously all know the story about how Kevin Durant left, and we know how the fans in Oklahoma City hate Durant because he left them and left their franchise to go win championships and do what was best for him. So I think that's always a huge one. I mean, it's fun to watch, guys. So that is, as of right now, that's what I have at number four. Number three, 
This is my personal favorite rivalry in the entire NBA. I have Rockets versus Warriors. They actually play each other on Saturday. I just love it because it's my favorite player, Harden, going against the Warriors, team they should have beat if Chris Paul did not get hurt in the finals last year. So I think it's fun to watch these two teams go at each other. It's always a good game. I mean, the Rockets dominated them in the regular season last year. They're 1-0 against them this year in the regular season. We'll see what happens next time out. Number two, I have Steelers versus Ravens. This is always one of my favorite rivalries. I mean, both teams, great defenses, great offenses. They both hate each other. I just feel like it's always a fun rivalry to watch. We see, even see them meet in the playoffs a lot of times. Always going down between these two teams. I mean, it can go either way every single time. See, I would have had somebody versus the Patriots, but the Patriots dominate everybody, so it's not really a rivalry for them. It's just the Patriots versus whoever hates them that much of the time being. So, Steelers-Ravens right there. Number one. I mean, I'm an Atlanta guys guy, guys. I'm a Falcons fan. I got to go Falcons-Saints is my favorite rivalry in all of sports. I absolutely hate the Saints. There's nothing sweeter than beating them. There's nothing sweeter than watching them lose the way they did in the NFC Championship game. And there's nothing better than a good old-fashioned Falcons versus Saints beat down. I mean, the Saints fans are so annoying. Unfortunately, went 0-2 this year. It's all right, though, guys. We'll be back next year. The Saints are due for a letdown year. Pro- promise y'all, it's coming. It's coming. So now, my top five favorite player rivalries in sports currently... Number five, kind of a funny one here. I don't know how, how much everyone knows about this one, but I have Tlaib versus Crabtree. And my reason being is both these players have gotten ejected twice for fighting each other. Tlaib did snatch Crabtree's chain. Crabtree, probably the most disrespected player in the NFL. We all know with Richard Sherman calling him out. Anytime these two guys are matched up against each other, you got, you know it's going to get chippy. You know there's going to be personal foul flags thrown all around the field. Number four, I have Embiid versus Westbrook. Obviously, we all know last season, Embiid in his interview, I wish I could shoot the ball 30 times in a game after him and Westbrook got after it. He, he, Embiid said he effing hates him. Westbrook said he hates him. They had to play together in the All-Star game. Kind of funny. I just think it's funny how these two guys go at each other. They only see each other twice a year, so I'm sure when they see each other again, they're going to go at it even harder the next time since they hate each other that much. Number three, I have Manning versus Brady. I mean, it was always fun watching this rivalry come up, whether they played each other in the playoffs or the regular season, to see two of the two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game go at each other. I mean, you can't hate on that rivalry. I'll set against Manning. So Eli Manning beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl. So I mean even when Brady goes up against the Giants, you know he plays with that extra chip on his shoulder and he wants to get that win. So it's fun to watch the Patriots and the or the Brady even go up against both the Manning brothers as he has all throughout his career. Number two, I have Westbrook versus Kevin Durant. We all know the story. I just talked about it. Westbrook, Durant leaves Westbrook. Westbrook plays with a chip on his shoulder like we've never seen before of any player. I mean, they go at it every single time they play. Westbrook plays his ass off every single time they play against each other. Great rival right there. Number one. I have Kevin Durant versus the man that he is chasing, and that is LeBron James. Kevin Durant wants to beat LeBron so bad, but he never, never can. He wants to be LeBron. Every single time he does anything to one-up LeBron, everyone says, well, LeBron did it like this. LeBron, you know it eats at Kevin Durant. I think that is the best rivalry. It may not be to LeBron, but you know Kevin Durant is chasing LeBron, and he wants to beat LeBron more than anything in the world. So I think that is the best one because we're watching the two best players in their respective sport go up against each other to see who is the best player. But... That's all I got today for y'all. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Once again, follow me on Twitter at Hot Takes with TP3 on Instagram at TP3 underscore NBA underscore bets. Uh, that's about all I got for y'all today's show. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Once again, I will have a guest on again later on in the week, and we will talk it up about all kinds of good stuff for y'all.